Welcome to the podcast, Risk Intelligence, with your host, Karen Adamsbaum. She will be sharing her knowledge on common insurance questions, coverage explanations, claim scenarios, and interviews with brokers, clients, and colleagues to discuss various topics in the insurance industry. Welcome to another edition of my podcast called Risk Intelligence. And today I have an elder law trust and estates attorney with me. And her name is Dina Kulatosis. And Dina and I met at a networking function, I'm going to say about a year and a half ago. And since then, we kind of keep in touch because she has clients that need um, assistance from me from uh, a paperwork and probate situations. And Sometimes when I have uh, the, the will and estate questions, I always reach out to her. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you an experience that I had this past year. And that was that um, my, my mom-in-law fell uh, very ill and we, she did pass. And as a result of that, we had to um, refer back to her paperwork that she had put in place so we could take care of matters uh, correctly. And by her having this, this will, living and not, and, and everything in line, um, power of attorneys and such, it made my life and my husband's life so much easier. And everything just like really fell into place. Uh, I, I do have to say that my mom-in-law was super organized, so that helped as well. But uh, having all the paperwork for her doing her due diligence uh, up front really helped my husband and I. Dina, if, if you would, can you um, just talk a little bit about some of the experiences that you had uh, with one not preparing uh, for this? I mean, nobody wants to prepare for their death, but you know, how important is that? Can you just shine some light on that? Yeah, Karen, great question. So. One of the things that we always recommend and that we actually assist our clients in doing is preparing an estate folder. Uh, this folder, we give our clients blue folders with all of the original and copies of the documents that they have, um, and we tell them to put it in a safe place. So in this folder, we provide our typical estate planning folders, or our estate planning documents, which is the last will and testament, the power of attorney, the living will, and a HIPAA declaration. We also tell our clients to put in this folder a list of the banks that they have assets at, uh, a list of their advisors, insurance, financial, accounting, attorneys, anyone else that's important, and all of the personal information that uh, someone might not know, right? So you don't necessarily need to go to the extremes of putting passwords there, but I certainly recommend that if you're going to keep it in a safe place, why not? It's always helpful to have a list of where you have the assets, where you have accounts and the passwords. Uh, safe deposit boxes, if you have those, to list them. If there's anywhere else in the house that you're squirreling away important fa uh, paperwork, or if there's anyone else in your life that's important and that may have information, that goes in the folder. If you have burial plans or funeral wishes or any other guidance with regards to how you want your affairs managed, either during lifetime or after death, 
make notes and put them in the blue folder. It really, really helps to keep it organized and to keep it somewhere logical where someone would be able to get gain access. We typically recommend somewhere in the house, not at a bank. Right. Well, I will tell you this folder um, for my mom-in-law was brown. So I knew that I, it was like one of those brown accordion folders, you know, and I knew, I knew I had to look for this brown folder. And when you say passwords, I smile because my mom, she was so um, organized. What she did was, you know, when you go to like a local drugstore and you get those little phone books and it has like the tabs on it, like A, B and stuff. She had a little one and on there, in there, she had all of her um, user IDs and passwords. So if we had a look up Verizon, we would go to the V and we would see her user ID and her password. And then we were able to contact Verizon and disconnect her phone and what have you. That's how orderly she was and it was just, amazing amazing and it made things so much easier yeah so now the other question i wanted to ask you and it's crossed my mind because of the pandemic that we're in let's just say god forbid you have a husband and a wife and they come down with a coronavirus all right and now they're both in the hospital and you have kids at home like what happens in that situation Yeah, you know, Karen, as someone who has minor kids, this has been on my mind in the forefront of this crisis. You know, we're all home isolating together. If one of us were to get the virus, chances are everyone else in the household would get the virus as well. Um, And without the proper precautions, the cold, hard reality of it is that the state uh, comes in and decides what's best and where is best for your kids. And that's not something that I was comfortable with. You know, I don't, I don't want anyone else making decisions for my kids except for me. So um, I did a little research and one of the things that's not really used very frequently, but that's becoming um, more prevalent with this pandemic and with the coronavirus crisis is a form called a designation of a standby guardian. And that document actually allows you for a short term basis to appoint somebody to make decisions for your family in the event that you're not able to and your spouse is not able to. That is fabulous. That is, wow. And I mean, me, I'm not in this this realm, but it seems so simple and people probably aren't even thinking of it. Is it as simple as that where you just sign a document and that's it? Or is there more involved? No, it's as simple as that. You know, we prepare these documents regularly for our clients um, in the crisis. So you can do it. It's a a document that you can do if you're single on your own. If you co-parent, you can do it with your partner or spouse. Um, And if you are divorced and share custody, you can do it on your own or in conjunction with the uh, other parent of the child. You can do it in the crisis situation. So you would execute it right now um god forbid something were to happen if you were both to get sick and it can also be used in normal life when you're on vacation if parents were to go on it to make sure that the babysitter or 
had the authority on a short-term basis to make important decisions while you're out of town, you could do it for that too. So it's a really useful tool, not only now, but also um, indefinitely for the future while you have minor kids. And what was the full name of that, the designated, what was that called again? Yep, it's called a designation of a standby guardian. Designation of a standby guardian? page document. Yep. Excellent. Good, I just wrote that down. So, well, Adina, thank you um, so very much for joining me. Um, that Those two pieces of information were very valuable and um, I'm sure others will see this as valuable information as well. Um, thank you for taking the time to do this today with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Karen. Always a pleasure to speak with you. Yes, thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast, Risk Intelligence. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel and connect on LinkedIn by doing a search on Karen Adamsbaugh.